Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in full effect, full effect, the Detroit Is Different podcast studios and Back again with somebody that I've known for a long time. And usually how people knew me was performing hip hop. That led me to a lot of what I know. And most of my performances, if you saw me on stage, you probably saw me with this beautiful woman. And people were like, who's this lady singing? This lady singing is Ashley. Ashley, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. Okay, great (laughs) is... Something that is a phenomenal adjective to talk about when you're feeling. So uh, you and your Detroit style, uh, I see the D hat going and you're doing all types of stuff. We're going to get into a classic Detroit is different interview and I want to find out all the stuff you're doing. So we start with your family in Detroit. How did your family make its way to Detroit? I think my my great grandmother was originally from Alabama. Okay. And she came to Detroit had her children and my grandmother she had eight kids one of them okay eight kids one of them being my mom and ever since then we you know we grew up in detroit so okay so alabama do you know whereabouts in alabama montgomery okay have you ever been down there i have i went to go visit my great-grandmother's house all right so what what is it like uh as far as like is your family still down there what did you get from it when you visited uh were you Um, a little kid I went maybe about eight years ago, I think. Okay. And I visited my great-grandmother. She was still alive. Hmm. And um, we visited her house. She has a huge area. She owns a lot of land. Okay. And so we stayed there for a couple of days. We, um, It was different. It was just like a whole southern feel. Um, I got to see like where my grandmother kind of grew up at. Mm-hmm. It was very country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was nice, though. It was like kind of like um, connecting, I guess, like my kind of connected with my soul. So I'm like, this is where I'm from. OK. Did, were you was it a lot of cousins that looked like you? It was a lot of us, yeah. Okay. okay. So they, they were like, you got the nose. <laughs> okay. we didn't, it wasn't like a family reunion. We kind of just visited my great-grandmother. Okay. Yeah. And then her vibe, you said owning a lot of property and everything. What was she into? Well, she owned a big land, like a lot, okay, of, land. A lot of land. So, like, her house sits on a lot of land, a lot hmm. of acres. Okay. Um, so... I don't know what she did. Uh, like any farming or you just didn't know? I don't know. Okay. I just know she had a lot of land when we went down there. And then, like, we drove for a long time. And I was just like, is this, are we here yet? And they were like, we're here. This is her land. Mm-hmm. But we had to get to the house. So okay. she, I just know she owned a lot of land. Okay. All right. Now, uh, that tied to Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereabouts did your grandma grow up here in the city? Um, like three blocks over. She... Um, she had a house. I don't know if my grandmother grew up over there, but I know she owned a house on Chicago Boulevard. Hmm. So um, she raised all her children there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my uncle brought that house for her when he got um, probably like in his 20s. He brought the house and then all the family grew up there and it became like the house that everybody would go to for Thanksgiving, Christmas, different things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's over on Chicago Boulevard in 14th. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of Christmases, I spent a lot of summers there. Um, it became like my second home. 
Okay, so this neighborhood kind of is one of those neighborhoods that's mm-hmm. a part of your childhood Absolutely. and upbringing. And this was definitely a part of my upbringing and everything. Yeah. What do you remember this neighborhood being like as a kid? Oh, man, just just now coming here and coming up on Elmhurst, like I remember turning. You know how that turn mm-hmm. is when you come off the freeway and just seeing it different now. I remember it used to have a lot of uh, rough patches in the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember that that was just something I always remember coming off the freeway but as far as like the neighborhood I remember the ice cream parlor place I can't remember the name of it mm-hmm. but it was off of what was that over there on not Dexter but the you Linwood Linwood yeah mm-hmm. my uncle used to always take me and my cousin there mm-hmm. um, I went to church over in this neighborhood Little Rock Baptist Church yeah with Reverend Holly Mm-hmm. I grew up there. Every Sunday, my mom would send me to my grandma's house, and we had to go to church there. Okay. Um, What else? I remember, like, walking in the neighborhood. It was very peaceful then. Um, not to say that it's not now, but, you know, back then it was just different. Okay. We used to walk to the store off of 12th, and um, it used to be like a grocery store over there. I can't remember the exact names of the streets, but I remember a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely the ice cream parlor uh, that you speak about. Um, I remember Big Herc shot a video over there. Um, like Dwight Smith from Central High School that eventually was the Super Bowl MVP from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. Like you see him up there. Like it okay. was a part of the neighborhood. It's no longer open, but right. the ice cream parlor, like a big part of the neighborhood yeah. one of the things that connected a lot of kids to what was going on over here uh, there was joseph walker williams center when we think about that just a lot of cool stuff that kids could get into okay so okay. as that goes where did your where did your mom stay where did you grow up um so i grew up off of we started on the east side when i was very little mm-hmm. um i don't really remember that house but we ended up moving off a of seven mile in Wyoming area. Mm-hmm. So I lived off a street called North Lawn. Mm-hmm. And um, it's literally like right down the street from Bates. I don't know if it's still called Bates Academy. Mm-hmm. But I remember when they first built Bates. Well, they didn't build it, but they turned uh, Mary Grove into Bates. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew up over there. So I, I lived there, but I went to school in Madison Heights because my mom wanted to, I guess, better my education. So I mm-hmm. actually went to a private school in Madison Heights, Michigan. What school? I went to St. Dennis Elementary. Okay. What was that like? It was different because mm-hmm. I was, I got to know a lot of Caucasians, I mm-hmm. say. So versus my neighborhood, which was like all black kids. Mm-hmm. I went to school during the daytime and was around nothing but white kids. So mm-hmm. it was very different, especially during that time. And I remember having like racist remarks against me. Hmm. Um my brother went there one year with me because he's six years older than me. So, like, I was in kindergarten. He was, like, in eighth grade or seventh grade. And I remember um, the song, the ABC song. Um, who sang that song? Was it ABC? The Aisha. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. ABC. So, I remember walking in the halls, and um, kids would be like, oh, look, there go Aisha. And I'm mm. just like, and I never really thought it was something racist until mm. I got older because I was mm. so young. And I was just like, oh, that's the song. That's how I'm like, hey, you know, yeah. singing. And I just remember as I got older that it used to be a lot of racist remarks against me growing mm. up in that school. So. so how did you like being so young? You couldn't really figure it out till you got older. Mm-hmm. How did you navigate as you got older? 
I guess just um, going through life's experiences and just, you mean like remember or knowing that it was a racist remark? Yeah, because did you stay at those schools as you kept going? Did you no, so okay. I stayed there from uh, first grade, actually not kindergarten, so first grade through eighth grade. And when I graduated, I had the choice to keep staying in that neighborhood and go to um, Bishop Foley High School, mm-hmm. which is a Catholic high school, or go to Cass Tech. So mm-hmm. I chose Cass Tech, of course. Okay. And what was that like just in the culture change as many <laughs> students choose their first non-private school being Cass Tech? Mm. It was a culture shock. I mean, I was used to the kids in the neighborhood, but mm-hmm. then going to a school where it was just all black kids pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, wow. It was different. Ninth grade was an experience. I remember being like, wow, this is better. I felt at home because I was around the people that look like me. Mm-hmm. Um it was better. I, I liked it, and I loved my experience there. And you went to the old cast, too. Yeah. So it, it was like, uh, that was like a huge building. Mm-hmm. It was like. We called it the Pickle Factory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was it was very, it was good. And I've been to the new school now. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter is in a program called PYD, which is Purposeful Youth Detroit. So they meet at Cast Tech sometimes on Saturdays, and I get to go and walk through the hallways and stuff, and it's just different. It's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I do feel like the original building will always be, like, the best building. So what stood out about your Cast Tech experience, like, going there? Who were some teachers that, like, um, touched you, that connected? Teacher-wise, hmm, I would say Miss uh, Pamela English. She was an English teacher. She she Her was name great. Was Miss English. Yeah, she taught English. Yeah, she taught so English. I was almost like yeah, Miss she English. Had to. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, um, I knew she could sing, and so I admired her for that. And I used to hear her singing a little bit. You know, she was a real cool teacher because she was young. I think she was like in her twenties when she started at Cass. Mm-hmm. And um, later on, as I started like recording and doing different things, I remember seeing her at the studio, and I was just like, "Oh my God, you sing, sing for real!" Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like. That made me feel um, even more comfortable about singing and um, made me want to pursue it even more. All right. Now, the relationships you develop there, like your friendships, like Mm -hmm. almost like a sisterhood, because that's how we ended up intersecting from some of my brotherhood of like my friend Mike that grew up like a couple blocks away from here. But let's talk about the friends that you still have from CT. Yes. So I met my friend Nidra, who's one of my best friends. I met her in the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And we've been best friends ever since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of people that I grew up, I mean, I grew up, but went to high school with at Cass, we weren't, like, best buddies. Mm-hmm. But, like, even now, like, when I run into them, it's like, you know, I've built networks with mm-hmm. them. Um, I'm able to call somebody now. Like, even the PYD program I was just telling you about, that's owned by somebody that's from Cass. And we wow. were in ninth grade together. Um so, I mean, you know, the friendships sticked with me, you know, all the friendships that I've had. I met a girl named Tamika there, Tamika Walker. Mm-hmm. We're still cool to this day. I was just talking to her yesterday. So they stuck. Yeah. They stuck yeah. with me for a lifetime. And you actually keep like that sisterhood bond like carrying over as yeah. y'all crew is like a deep crew as far <laughs> as like friends still, you know, now with children, yeah. husbands, yeah. Uh, you know, elder care responsibilities and you all still are close why do you think that you all keep that sisterhood bond so close Mm. i think it's 
consistency, you know, like no matter what you do in life, you got to be consistent, even with your friends. So we've always just meshed well together. And like anything we've done in life, we've always made sure to include each other. So, you know, we made a thing where we would go out, I mean, go on vacation like annually and we would call it like. Um, Cause it's me, Nidra, Cassie is one of my other good friends, but she didn't go to Cass. She mm-hmm. went to Southfield. Um, but it's a group of us, and it's like um, seven or eight of us, and we just kind of just stuck together. And the group grew over the years, but we always just made sure, you know, if we going out, we all went out together. You know, if we went out of town, we would just check with each other. Hey, y'all want to go to Miami? Y'all want to go to Vegas? Like we just did things together, like. Even now, like, we would go watch Power together, and whoever can come can come. We know, like, now as we're older women, we have husbands, we have kids, but we still be like, hey, we'll bring the kids. So now we include the kids on things. We include the husbands. We include the boyfriends, whatever. Like, we just stick together. And I'm asking that because, you know, for most people, as you get older, you know, people lose touch with friends. They and do. really kind of yeah. don't have that friend base. So it's so unique to see you all kind of yeah. stick together. Um as I witness it, even more so than us, like our brotherhood is like we don't hang out as much as we used to. So what what does that mean to you to have like so many close mm. friends and have that sisterhood? It means the world because I don't have any like blood sisters. So I feel like they are my sisters. I feel like if I ever needed anything, I could call them. Mm-hmm. We have a group chat that we're in and. We just always we send stuff. We send the little funny memes in the groups, you know, and like I said, everybody can't always come to things because we're all busy. We all have families now. But the few that do, it's like I feel like it means the world because we're we understand that life is not forever. So we just make sure to make the best out of the time that we have together. Yeah. And then that bond also carries over in so many other ways as the experience of life itself, like motherhood, uh, marriage, Mm -hmm. um, and then even even dealing with the passing of elders and family members, you all are stuck together in that bond. So it's dynamic and real cool to see. And amongst all of that, you've also ventured off and started businesses and grown yourself and you stay in school you stay on top of mothering you stay on top of all types of stuff so let's talk a little bit about more of your journey um from Cass where do you go Mm. so from Cass Tech I went to Oakland University um which I regret because I feel like I should have went out of town Hmm. um but I went to Oakland University because my good friends was going there. Nisha was going there. Cassie was going there. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to be with my dogs. I'm about to go to Oakland University. We're going to live it up. We're going to have a good time. And we did. Um, but as I got older, I just wished that my mother would really push for me to get an outside, out, out-of-state experience. So I had got accepted to Clark University. And mm-hmm. um, to this day, I just feel like I would have maybe benefited from getting that experience mm-hmm. out-of-state. So I went to Oakland University. Um, I stayed there for a couple of years and then I had Ray. So I had Ray at a young age. I had him at the age of 21, I think. Mm-hmm. And I still continue my education. And your um, son, Ray, your mm-hmm. son, Ray, who is like, it's crazy. Like seeing like how old he is <laughs> now, but going on 15 in August. Mm-hmm. So even the story about Ray. It kind of connects to we, we threw like, I think one of the greatest house parties ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I remember you can that. Tell, you can tell it. <laughs> um, I just remember it was right next door. So we, uh, I mean, I had a lot to drink. So I don't remember everything. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. But I do remember it being just like a bomb-ass party. And um, it was just packed. Do you know how many people was there? No. To this day, we really still don't remember. But I think that was the greatest house party ever. Oh, my ever. gosh. It was really good. It was mm. a nice house party. Mm, that was my going away truck driving house party. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it was for. I just know it was a party and I'm like, okay, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Again, that whole friendship bond, you know, mm-hmm. um, we used to hang out at Mike's house as well. Mm-hmm. And Nidra was just like, oh, he having a party. I'm like, okay, well, we there, you know, so we came mm-hmm. and it was lit. So um, to hop back to the education portion of my life, mm-hmm. I after I had Ray, I went, I, actually, I never stopped going to school. But I did transfer from Oakland University, and I went to Wayne State. Okay. So I eventually finished. You know, I didn't let the fact that I had a son at a young age stop me from pursuing anything that I still wanted to pursue in life. And I really wanted to complete school and get my bachelor's. And I did. It took me six years, um, but I got it done. Okay. So I graduated from Wayne State University. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, which kind of ties into what I do now, I... I actually went back and got my master's, and I just graduated from there about two years ago. It'll mm-hmm. be two years in May that mm-hmm. I've had my master's. Congratulations. Thank you. As you stayed in school juggling, uh, like I say, motherhood, projects, and yes. school, and working. So where were you working during this time? So I've always been a hustler type of woman. So I um, used to do like sales. I've always been in sales. Um, So I worked when I had Ray, I worked at a company called ACS, which was like a scheming company to me now. But they would call people (laughs) on the phone. I worked in a call center and they would call folks and pretty much beg for money and claim that it's going to charity. I don't know how true that was, Mm -hmm. but I was good at what I did. Telemarketing. (laughs) It was definitely telemarketing. Um, But I was good at what I did. And um I progressed and I went from being just a phone person, a telemarketer to a sales uh, manager, like okay. a, a, a sales trainer. So I would train others to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I did really well at that. And eventually um, years went by. I worked there for a long time. But after that, I had my second baby. I got married, had my second baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I went into another field of sales. I started selling insurance for AAA. Mm-hmm. So I've always been in sales. I've always been that friend that was like, like if we're planning something, they like ask Ashley to see if she can get a deal or something out of the company or maybe she can work something out where they give us 20% off or $10 off or, some, you know, a cheaper deal. I've always been that friend that could just work something out. Um, so it all tied into sales and hustling. Now, a lot of people are afraid of sales. What do you think gives you the tenacity of dealing with that because sales takes dealing with rejection it does because i i don't care if somebody says no and a lot of times people just say no off bat and i learned this when i was um, working for the telemarketing company people say no but if you turn around and you say it a different way they might say yes Mm -hmm. so i've never been afraid of people telling me no because maybe they just don't get it and they need to hear it a different way and i just explain it a different way and they still might say no and i don't care you just move on to the next i'm not afraid of rejection and that is definitely a salesman's thought process. <laughs> yeah. Any entrepreneur needs to know that you are a salesperson. 
Like seriously, any yeah. entrepreneur listening, you are a salesperson. Absolutely. Nobody's going to help sell your product for you. Yeah. And what Ashley just shared is kind of some of that thought process. And when you talk to most great entrepreneurs, most actually start from like some form of door to door sales yeah. or telemarketing because you learn the human behavior of like, is this person really saying no? Mm hmm. Or are they giving me more reasons? Because mm -hmm. almost like the whole thing of like, you know, I don't know. I got to talk to my wife. And right. it's like, you don't think your wife uh, believes in the decisions <laughs> that you make? You know, right, like, right. No. <laughs> they just be playing on people's mindset and stuff. And, you know, and then I think I got a good voice. So I had a really great voice for telemarketing. So I just felt like I could kind of like sweet talk my way into somebody mm -hmm. saying yes. Especially if I was dealing with like an elderly person or a man on the phone. Mm -hmm. I could get so them to you say could, yes. You could flirt with the man. Yeah. You could be like, so, Mr. Jones. <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much. Like, yes, I'll give $200. <laughs> like, so can I just put you down for $300? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, I don't know what question you have next for me, but I was just going to tie into how yeah. I got into what I do now from sales. But, yeah. Um, so, so how did you get into what you do now from sales? <laughs> so after um, working for the telemarketing company, I went to triple. Actually, I used to do collections as well. I've had a lot of jobs and I've okay. never liked any of them. Like Ain't I've always something. hated working for somebody and I've mm. always wanted to quit. I hated getting up in the morning. Like I just really hated my lifestyle of working. So um, it was just always on to the next job. What could I do next? So I worked for Verizon Wireless as well in their mm -hmm. call center. Um, I worked for credit acceptance. I was a collector. I used to collect on people who weren't paying on their car notes. Mm -hmm. um, I did really well there. I did really well at Verizon Wireless. My last job, my last nine to five was AAA. Mm -hmm. I was a insurance. Um, I used to sell insurance. So mm -hmm. I used to sell um, car insurance. Okay. And get people to enroll and, you know, um, I handle customer service there as well. My daughter got really sick, um, Jaylee. After she turned, I think she was like one and a half, and she had a very bad asthma attack. And it was so bad to the point where she was falling from one hospital to the next. And she had to... Um, they had to intubate her. She was in, like, a medical coma. So she was just really, really sick. But before that, she was sick on and off pretty much her whole life. Um, she was a severe asthmatic. So I missed a lot of time at AAA, and I felt like mm. they didn't understand that. Hmm. And I had one phone call where I messed up with a customer, I guess. They hmm. say I messed up, but I felt like I didn't. <laughs> mm. And I got fired. Wow. So Was um, that the first time you ever been fired? Nah. <laughs> oh, okay. I got fired. Then I got fired from Verizon Wireless. I don't know. Like I told you, jobs never really, yeah. really was my thing. And yeah. I really just never cared to put on this face for somebody and be mm -hmm. somebody who I wasn't every single day. So um, I got fired, and it was cool. A lot of people wanted me that worked there, the supervisors wanted me to fight and get my job back because I was a good saleswoman. Mm -hmm. But I said no. So I went to school. That was the time where I said, you know what? I'm going to change my field. Sales is not for me. I'm not a people person. <laughs> so, so you went the whole other direction. Opposite way. Uh -huh. The opposite way. And I, I went and I got my master's in business. And during the time when I was in school, I got an internship with Chrysler. Hmm. So it was a really good internship. Um, I wanted to be an HR uh, hmm. representative. So I got in. I did really good during my internship. 
Um, it was me. I was the only black woman, plus mm. um, a lot of white younger people. Because at this time, I'm like in my late 20s, early 30s, I think. And um, really early 30s. So all these younger white students, their parents worked at Chrysler. Um, so they had really good connections. And I did a really good job during my internship. I was paid well. I know I did good because they went on vacations. Hmm. And they left me there to run the place. Okay. Long story short, I didn't get the job full time. Wow. So this was 2016, hmm. four years ago. I didn't get it full time. It really hurt me because I left sales and then I went to do something where I thought, oh, you know, I'm good with people. Maybe I can help them in HR. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get that job. I applied to so many different um opportunities i guess and job postings and i went on interviews still couldn't get a job mm -hmm. so that summer was like probably one of the most the toughest. it was a turning point for yeah. me in my life it was very tough because i didn't know what i was going to do um a lot of things happened with our family and that's when i decided you know what because i was already doing melt fit or watch me melt i didn't turn into a melt fit fit until recently but i was already doing something called wash me milk and um i said you know what i'm gonna do it full time all right now before we even get into well first let's let's introduce that what is wash me milk so wash me milk started from after i had my second child i got three kids so after i had my second child she was born in 2011 I decided to document my weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to create a page and I'm just going to, um, nobody's going to know about it. This is going to be like my own page. It's a secret, you know, way for me to just hold myself accountable. So I started posting my workouts and um, my goal was to lose weight, which I did. But in the midst of it, my following grew so much, which is continuing to grow now. Yeah. And I guess I was inspiring other people to do the same. And talk a little bit about it, because your following like grew at yeah. a time where I think things were different on Instagram then, it was, as far yeah. as like even the way the logarithms were working with Facebook. Almost, you could put content up and and people could grasp it and yeah. connect to it, and even people outside of your network. Now it's to the point where almost like you need the people in your network may not see your content exactly without paying of the for algorithm. it. Mm -hmm. But. Um, you had some really good content yeah. and it grew exponentially. So talk about like some of that following and it growing. Um, I think for me, what really attracted people to my page and continue to attract people now is the fact that I was. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can't think of the word, but I was just me. I was genuine and I just posted my experience. I was real. It had a it has a level of sincerity yeah. that I think a lot of uh, definitely women connect to. But you even have men that yeah. follow as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it was just me putting myself out there and just showing like, OK, this is me. This is where I am now. This is where I want to get to. And I took people on that journey with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that it inspired people because it was like, well, damn, I remember her like this. And then she just showed us every day she showed up and she got to the point where she wanted to be which was her goal so i think i just really connected with people like that the fact that i was a mom the fact that i was a woman the fact that um i was just an everyday person and still is and that i could do these things i could do something that i really pushed my um self to do so i feel like that's how my following grew but in the midst of all of that i started doing weight loss challenges and um this was you know, 
um, before like the internship and all of that and me deciding to go back and get my master's, I started doing weight loss challenges. And I had women from all over the world joining from Europe, all over America. And um, I would host these challenges for about five to six weeks. And um, whoever lost the most weight would get paid a, you know, jackpot amount or whatever. So it grew and it grew to the point where I needed assistance to help me run the challenge. So um, but it took a lot out of me. I had to show up every day, be inspirational. I would do um, I would do these groups inside of Facebook and, you know, I would go live and just try to motivate people to stay committed to what it was that they wanted to achieve. So um, I got paid for that. And I was like, hmm making a little money doing this okay cool but I still never connected it to the fact fact of oh I could start a business from this so it was just some little side money um then I started selling like t-shirts I remember I had Mike do some t-shirts for me and I was like oh I made a little extra money cool I'm gonna go get my hair done but it was still it still never connected um I started selling sweat belts which became really popular with women so like the sweat belts the um waist trainers type fitness belts and I was like oh I'm really making some decent money now okay then I started selling them on my trunk I used to post up at different locations and just have people come there and meet me and I was just too short (laughs) I was selling belts out my trunk yep (laughs) (laughs) outside of a planet fitness like yo yo let me holla at you let me holla at you yeah I was and your sales techniques come full circle (laughs) absolutely So I was like, okay, this is nice little hustle. So that was just extra money to pay like a bill or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to tie into now and how I got started in 2015 when they didn't hire me full time because I just knew HR was where I was going to be in life. And Mm -hmm. I I grew up with that mentality that I had to have a nine to five. Hmm. And um, that's something really good to talk about because I don't teach my kids you have to have a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Only because I've experienced both. Mm-hmm. And if you want that nine to five, cool. I'm not against going to college and all of that. But at the same time, you can build something that you're very passionate about and make income from that as well. So that last nine to five that I had, couldn't find another job. I said, I'm going full force with this thing. And it'll be four years in May, actually, four years this year that I've been going full time as an entrepreneur. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. You. It's um it's a unique journey. I can it definitely is. tell you that. It is. So um so you you introduced that. Let's talk a little bit about the when you were looking for, for work because in in the world of like New Detroit, and that was like some of the start of what they labeled as New Detroit. Right. Like it's opportunity, it's opportunity, it's opportunity. And I really don't necessarily feel like it's a lot of opportunity that's abundant here. Right. Especially for certain people that come with to the table with talents that you have. Yeah. Um, so w- where do you look at the landscape um, for a person that is looking for a job? What, what would you suggest and how to navigate something like that? Hmm. Um, you know, it's really hard because a lot of jobs want you to have that experience. So it's either you got to have the experience or you have to have the education or you got to have both. And I feel like if you have the education, they just start you at the bottom. And it's so many people is very competitive because it's so many people who have the education, but they just don't have that experience. So I just, you know, I started by just looking on like career builder or, you know, simple things like that or 
Googling the different places that I was interested in and checking out their job opportunities. And I just started applying there. Um, and it got me nowhere. <laughs> and, and I mean, when you talk about that journey here um, and it's kind of from an entrepreneur, entrepreneur looking at the job market, high unemployment is kind of a good thing because you can get more talented people mm-hmm. to work for uh, to work in tougher circumstances. Mm-hmm. Low unemployment is not necessarily the best thing right and then even unemployment itself is kind of like a tricky thing because Mm -hmm. they label you as unemployed if you've been looking for a job for what is it 90 days oh really yeah so and it's people that i think are underemployed or have been unemployed for longer than 90 days especially Mm -hmm. in markets like detroit Mm -hmm. especially a lot of black people with education so i mean Mm -hmm. there's people with phds underemployed Mm -hmm. or unemployed that are phenomenal like Mm -hmm. it could be great assets to organizations but are like not given that opportunity yeah and I remember um I was turned down from a few places because I was overqualified Mm. so it's like I had the degrees and I had the experience I even applied back to like sales I'm like well damn maybe I need to go back to sales and Mm -hmm. I still couldn't get the job because I guess the job I was trying to get was just getting an entry-level job just to get in so that I could move back up but I couldn't even get that Hmm. So now we flip it on its head. You you completely reverse mm-hmm. what that is and you create your own opportunity. Yeah. And you're doing what you're doing now. Yes. So what does that look like? Uh, remember I said I hated getting up, going to work, and mm-hmm. like now I love it. Like and you probably can see because I'm just probably smiling right now, but I love what I do. Like I genuinely love it. Like I, I created this lifestyle. I remember my son, he plays all kinds of sports. And I just remember working all day. And sometimes, especially in a call center, you have to work late nights. And I barely ever made it to my son's games. I barely made it to anything he was doing in school. And when I started working for myself full time, like, I can make it to everything now, you know. And that's something that makes me really feel good as a mother that, to be able to go and support my kids. I control my life. I get up. If I want to get up at 9 a.m. and go for it, if I want to get up at 5 a.m. and get my day started, I can. I don't have to answer to anybody, and I love that. Okay, so what are some of the projects you're working on now? Uh, what are your revenue streams? Uh, how do people get your products? What's what's going on? So what really put me on the map, I think, because I said I left off on the fact that I was doing, like, these fitness belts. Mm-hmm. And um, last year was a turning point, another turning point for me and my third year of working for myself and I almost wanted to quit because I'm like because you know it's not all peaches and cream and I don't want people to think that because it's it's not a steady paycheck like working for somebody else Mm -hmm. so being an entrepreneur you might make well I'll say I might have made ten thousand one month and then one month I made a thousand and it's like you have to really be um financially literate to manage your money and know you know how to balance and pay your bills and all that so it got to a point where I was like okay I had a couple of low months and I'm just like I can't do this like we gotta pay bills you know my kids gotta do this I want to do this I need to go and get a job and this was actually August last year 2019 and I prayed about it and I applied to some jobs I ain't gonna lie but nobody will hire me And again, I feel like this is God's way of saying you need to keep doing what you're doing. And this is how I got into what I'm doing in the first place. So then that's when I say, you know what, 
I'm going to create my own um, clothing line, workout line. So that's when I started doing sets. Sets meaning like sports bras and leggings. And um, when once I started doing that, like I feel like business took off to another level for me. Mm. And um, in my first month of doing that, um, I had a sellout. Like I sold out of everything within that first hour when mm. I put it out there. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's powerful. Yeah. And also that's a lesson in entrepreneurship because it is tough. Like it is. Especially the services I provide. Yes. Some months, you know, some months I remember, you know, I can clear as the IRS is listening. <laughs> right. And I was I was like, should I say what I made? Like <laughs> so, so you know, some months I make you know, I've made months where it's like, damn, I made this much money for mm-hmm. doing this and I do this for free. Cause mm-hmm. that's that's really the other mm-hmm. concept of this. Like I like doing this. So, exactly. You know, you know, I look up and it's like, man, I've grossed, you know, twelve, you know, fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And then the next month, it's like, damn, I'm I'm barely making four fifty dollars. Right, month. exactly. What? you know and also when when the when the revenue comes in it's also other expenses associated with Mm -hmm. it it's not like it's Mm -hmm. all a free-for-all it's not it's not the mega millions it takes money to make money it takes money to make money Mm -hmm. and then also with that money you you want to budget so that you can sustain your own personal quality of life exactly which is more for you with with the family and a home and everything but but also sustain your business because it's like, man, how do I reinvest in my business? What 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 are the next moves to make? Mm-hmm. You know, like like what do I do with this influx of cash now that I have from revenue? Because it's easy to say, well, just replicate what you did before. Mm-hmm. But that's way easier said than done. It is, especially if you want to grow. Yes. So if you want to grow and get to that next level and August was that next level for me. Yeah. So I. I've been wanting to do it, but mm-hmm. I was a little nervous. I was a little yeah. scared. And so I just was like, you know what? And the necessity becomes the mother of invention for entrepreneurs. You Absolutely. almost have to hit that wall you do. to take that risk. And As I they hit say, that wall. entrepreneurs <laughs> are risk takers, but yeah. we're not just randomly taking risk right. we're not, out of can't uh, be a stupid risk taker, right? Yeah, you yeah. can't just so do stuff just to say I, I took a you, risk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you, you're not saying to yourself, okay, let's uh let's invest in A when right. when everything is good. It's usually mm-hmm. when things hit the wall where you're like, okay, what what do we do now? Exactly. You know, and that's when you start rethinking like what works, you know, how do I connect? How did this right. sell before? What are right. people looking for? What would I buy? Would I buy this stuff? Mm-hmm. Am, am I am I selling this? Is this, is this a good price point? Am mm-hmm. I am I talking to the right people? Yeah. All of that, your manufacturers that you deal with. Like yeah. I have manufacturers I have to deal with overseas, mm-hmm. and something that like right now with the coronavirus going on, that's something that has affected my business. So it's a lot of variables that play into it. Mm-hmm. But to get back to what you were saying, um, as far as taking a risk, like yeah, we're risk takers, mm-hmm. but we have to be smart, and yeah. that comes with experience. True. Yeah. True. And the other side of this too, and being in a family which I think being an entrepreneur like me that's single, it's a little bit different because you have, I'm questioning myself, Mm -hmm. but you also have other people that need to buy into your business. Exactly. So including your children, your Mm -hmm. children have to buy into this. Yeah. You know, so what is that like been like the support that you've gotten from your Mm. family and friends and other people? 
it's different because they're all different ages. Mm-hmm. So at first, my husband was just like, oh, okay, this is just something you doing. Like, all right. I, I feel like he probably was like, oh, she'll get over it. And she'll mm-hmm. probably go back to working. But mm-hmm. now he's all in. He's like, well, what like, you need me to good. do? Right. Like, it was good that you knocked out this mortgage payment. <laughs> It's like, yo, that, right. Okay. He's like, what do some, I need uh, to do? What? I know, it's like, it's like, what other ideas <laughs> yep. in athletic wear? <laughs> yep. He like, can we get a men's line? Know, like, he's he ready. Uh, <laughs> goggles? Right. So he's very supportive now. Um, my son, he's, like I said, he's a teenager. So he started high school. He's getting to the point where I guess his some of his um, classmates or something may have noticed their parents are recognizing me. So he's came to me a few times like, yeah, mom. So um, a couple of my friends, parents, they follow you on Instagram. And I'm just like, hilarious. Wow. Okay. Uh (laughs) So um, I think he likes it. He's very supportive. He has to, because I mean, he's getting Mm -hmm. things that he probably wouldn't have if I didn't have what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, my younger ones, like my middle child, Jaylee, she's eight and she'll be nine this year. She absolutely loves it. She is so supportive. And I feel like she's going to be my baby entrepreneur. So I'm actually mm-hmm. working on something with her wow. to create her first business and show her the ropes of how to do this. Um, so she's 100% down and, you know, they just, they love it. You know, The other one, she's only four, but they love it. Like we go to the grocery store. My my middle child will see when someone recognizes me, and they're like, "Oh my God, it's Watch Me Melt!" Or they'll say, mm-hmm. "Watch Me Melt! I've been following you. You inspire mm-hmm. me." And then my daughter's just like, "Oh my God, you're famous!" And I'm like, "I'm not famous, mm-hmm. but it's good that she just recognizes it and she loves it." So I feel like it's teaching her a good lesson and putting her in that mindset that okay i have options i can go to college and i can still own my own business or i could just do what i love mm-hmm. and it'd be that and it's okay okay now as far as this this journey has been too what are some of the i guess you can't really reveal all the new things but what are ways that people can connect what are ways people can buy how do they um, get them get themselves their hands on your products or support Okay, so this actually, this outfit I have worn is something of mine. I haven't brought it out yet. I don't know if I am or not. But um, so what I do, I create tops, bottoms, and one of the collections that was really popular was the Bedrock collection. It was mm-hmm. kind of based off of the Flintstones. So mm-hmm. I have, like, a red color, which was similar to uh, Fred's mom, Edna. And then I have, like, a Pebbles, and I have a Wilma and a Betty. So um, you can find all these products these different colors, that specific collection, any new collections at MeltFitActive.com. And my Instagram business page is at MeltFit. Okay. Okay. And most of your clientele, uh, where would you say that most of the people that connected with it, are they from? Or is it just worldwide? Um, I know specifically where they're coming from because I've tracked it. So the analytics say they're coming from Detroit. Houston, Atlanta, L.A., um, and Chicago. Okay. Are are there any live events? Do people, like, uh, are you doing any boot camps and things like that? Um, I think I'm going to connect with a celebrity trainer. 
Um, she's like a, a dancer, and she's from Houston. Paul Wall's wife, uh, Crystal Wall. Mm-hmm. We did an event last year, so we're going to be doing another event in mm-hmm. maybe like a couple of months. Okay. Um, outside of that, I mean, I'm open. If anybody's listening, they want to work with me, you know, I'm okay. open for networking and putting some something together. Okay. Okay. And now I definitely got to go back into our, our connection because yeah. still a, a songstress too. Um, for <laughs> a while, like, I guess, what would we say? Maybe was that like maybe 2007 to maybe like 2012? We were general population. We would yeah. be singing a lot and doing all types of stuff. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about you singing. And uh, do you see yourself performing again? I do. You know, that was a really good time in my life. Because mm-hmm. um, you put me into something that I was always passionate about. And you brought it out. And um, I got some of, not that that was my first stage performance, but, I mean, that gave me a lot of opportunities to do something that I loved. Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. I would. And it's still it's still something that's just sitting sitting in the back of my mind to do. I really want to and I've talked to you about this before. I want to create some type of I don't know if it I don't even know what it's called now, but I don't want to say an album, but maybe like mm-hmm. a three part song, something like mm-hmm. three songs or something where people can listen to me on a continuous basis or you know just something to have like i still don't have that and i feel like that's something i want to accomplish will it fit into the fit brand will it be like workout music or will it be a whole other thing i don't know okay i mean whatever you know if it's i guess if it's lit like a a tempo that's lit then yeah it could be something for working out but you know my my soul is always with the neo soul type vibe so Mm -hmm. Like uh, like what's that one song that people really level up the the Sierra song like people oh. about to that <laughs> <laughs> right and stuff. right <laughs> I'm not a pop singing type person but mm-hmm. you know I'm more so a feel good type singer okay what do you remember most about like some of those performances mm. I guess um. You mean like the vibes of it? Well, anything. Like you can just bring out any because we did a lot of stages. What we stages did. you remember? What performances? Um, I would say actually since you brought it out, the our last one, the DIA, even though it took me a minute to remember we did that, but mm-hmm. I really liked that one because I think I had not more control, but we did more of I guess more you know, I love love songs. So mm-hmm. we took some songs and we twisted it mm-hmm. and um I just like the vibe of it. Yeah, the DIA show was a really cool show. Yeah. Uh, I do think that. Um, I liked when we did African World Festival. That was like yeah, that one of was our nice. first yeah. performances back when it was at um, Heart Plaza. It was lit. That was a, a big stage. Yeah. 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 And then, it, yeah, it was so many shows over, over a short period of time. Mm. We still never finished a project. I still no. really want to do <laughs> A project with that band. <laughs> you you know? should. You've you been know? saying it. <laughs> I know. You just got to do it. it. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk about it. Okay. Um, so with that, that brings us kind of to the close of uh, the interview with classic Detroit is different questions. Your very first car, uh, year making model, and what year oh, did you get it? Oh, my God. I don't know. Um, what did I have? A red Cavalier, I think. Um, I got. I was driving in high school, so. Okay. 
Was it what year? Was Nine, the late nineties, maybe. Oh, okay, um, so that was a new ride. No, that's when okay. I got the car. <laughs> okay, so what, what was the year? Was the ride? I can't remember, Kari. Um, it was old as hell. I don't know, like a eighties, maybe. Okay, eighties vehicle. Okay, how long did you have it? Not long. Um, got into a couple of accidents mm. and. Uh, <laughs> Was it like the too many friends in the car accident? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I um, what happened? I think it got totaled one day. I was it was raining and the tires was bad, and I ran into the back of somebody. So well, at least that you got was that. that good. At least you got yeah, that. But good. my come up car was nice. Mm-hmm. End up getting me a black charger. That's when the charger was really like coming out and they was okay. popping and hot. So yeah. All right, and <laughs> you're the DJ at the end of the fireworks. You get to play three songs hmm. um, on Woodward and Jefferson. You're the DJ, end of the fireworks. What three songs you playing? Uh, what's that song that Beyonce redid? I think that's a good. Before I Let You Go? Yes, mm-hmm. Before I Let You Go. Okay. Um, Is it Before I Let You or Let? Before I Let Go. Let uh, Go, okay. Which version? The original. Okay. So the Frankie, sure. somebody said that in my last interview. Yeah. Frankie Beverly yeah. and Mays. Okay. Yeah. That's like that exit, make you feel good type mm-hmm. music. Um, Some Jay-Z, for sure. Which song? Oh, pretty much. Well, I'll say the, the later versions with him and Beyonce. So maybe like... um. I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. These people names and they songs. I just know when I hear the music and it feel good, it feel good. So on the run, I'm guessing. <laughs> Not on the run, but maybe like the song that they did. Um I like that boss song. I think okay. it's called Boss. Okay. Um and then what else make me wanna dance? I'll have to go back to like some 2000 music uh mm, um cash money or something okay yeah so what cash money song back that ass up or something yeah something like that okay all right and (laughs) last question uh if you were to rename woodward after one detroiter who would it be and why Mm. rename woodward Mm -hmm. that's a good question Hmm. One Detroiter. I would say it would have to be somebody from Motown that has helped the city. And I don't know too many. And I know Aretha Franklin, she already got the... Amphitheater. Yeah, the amphitheater. But um, maybe we could call it... Uh, we call it Kwame. Okay, Mayor Kilpatrick. <laughs> there we go. It, that's actually been Kilpatrick uh, Boulevard. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, thank you for having me. Peace. Detroit is different is where you get information, <laughs> artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.